Section 94, Introduction Ever since January 1833, Joseph has been warning the leaders of the church in Jackson County, Missouri, that if they did not stop their quarreling and disputations, the whole cause of Zion was at risk. Apparently conditions did not improve and the threats of the mob increased. By May 1833, the Lord prepared to lay the foundation for a temple in Kirtland. If the saints were not worthy to maintain possession of the dedicated site of the temple in New Jerusalem at Jackson County, then the Lord would build himself an interim temple at Kirtland, Ohio. Of course, the Lord knew the New Jerusalem temple in Missouri would not be necessary for several generations, but meanwhile there were keys to be restored, ordinances and endowments to be administered, and ministering angels to be received. All of this called for a house of the Lord where the work of the kingdom could be carried on. On May the 6th, 1833, Joseph received the following revelation. And again, verily I say unto you, my friends, a commandment I give unto you, that ye shall commence a work of laying out and preparing a beginning and foundation of the city of the stake of Zion, here in the land of Kirtland, beginning at my house. This verse reveals two important assignments for the saints in Kirtland. First of all, there is to be a city built up where the saints can have a stake. Secondly, this stake must be the place where a new house of the Lord will be built. As early as March 23, 1833, a committee had been appointed to purchase land for the new city of the saints where a temple could be built. Several large farms were purchased, including the farm of a Mr. French. And behold, it must be done according to the pattern which I have given unto you. Apparently the Lord had already revealed to Joseph his pattern for the new temple. And let the first lot on the south be consecrated unto me for the building of a house for the presidency for the work of the presidency in obtaining revelations, and for the work of the ministry of the presidency, in all things pertaining to the church and kingdom. The Lord speaks of three lots. The one on the south is for the temple, where the first presidency can have their offices, receive revelations, and administer the affairs of the church of God. Verily I say unto you, that it shall be built fifty-five by sixty-five feet in the width thereof, and in the length thereof in the inner court. The inner measurements of the temple are to be fifty-five feet wide and sixty-five feet long. And there shall be a lower court and a higher court, according to the pattern which shall be given unto you hereafter. The temple is to be two stories high. And it shall be dedicated unto the Lord from the foundation thereof, according to the order of the priesthood, according to the pattern which shall be given unto you hereafter. The temple is to be dedicated in layers, beginning with the foundation. And it shall be wholly dedicated unto the Lord for the work of the presidency. Then the whole building is to be dedicated as the headquarters for the first presidency of the church. And ye shall not suffer any unclean thing to come in unto it. And my glory shall be there, and my presence shall be there. But if there shall come into it any unclean thing, my glory shall not be there, and my presence shall not come into it.
the Lord promises to personally come to the temple so long as it is kept sacred. However, if it is desecrated, he will not come to it. And again, verily I say unto you, The second lot on the south shall be dedicated unto me for the building of a house unto me, for the work of the printing of the translation of my scriptures, and all things whatsoever I shall command you. Next to the temple on the south, the Lord wanted a special building dedicated to the work of translation and church publications. This meant it would have a printing press and space for those working on church literature. And it shall be fifty-five by sixty-five feet in the width thereof and the length thereof, in the inner court. And there shall be a lower and a higher court. This building was to be the same size as the temple. It was to be 55 feet wide and 65 feet long. It was also to be two stories in height. And this house shall be wholly dedicated unto the Lord from the foundation thereof, for the work of the printing, in all things whatsoever I shall command you, to be holy, undefiled, according to the pattern in all things, as it shall be given unto you. It was also to be dedicated in layers as it was built. It was also to be looked upon as a sacred building, and not defiled or desecrated in any way. And on the third lot shall my servant Hiram Smith receive his inheritance. And on the first and second lots on the north shall my servants Reynolds Cahoon and Jared Carter receive their inheritances, that they may do the work which I have appointed unto them, to be a committee to build mine houses, according to the commandment which I, the Lord God, have given unto you. A third lot was for a residence of Hiram Smith, while two other lots were to be residences for Reynold Cahoon and Jared Carter, who served on the committee with Hiram Smith. These three men were to have the responsibility of building the temple, and the Lord wanted them to be immediately available so they could supervise the work. These two houses are not to be built until I give unto you a commandment concerning them. And now I give unto you no more at this time. Amen. The Lord says this is all that he has to say about this project for the time being. And he says the building of the temple and the printing shop are not to commence until the Lord himself gives the signal. Section 95, Introduction Around six months earlier, on December 27, 1832, the Lord had given detailed instructions on how to set up a school of the prophets. At that time, the Lord had instructed that the church should set up a house of prayer and a place where the school of the prophets could convene. This is found in section 88, verses 119 to 120. But with only about 150 families left in the Kirtland area, and all of them surviving in very stressful circumstances, they had not done anything about the house of the Lord. However, by March 17, 1833, they had at least set up a committee to arrange for the purchase of several large farms on which a stake of the church could be established. But no steps had been taken to build the house of the Lord, even though some sessions of the School of the Prophets had already been convened elsewhere. By June 1, 1833, the Lord was very angry with the complete lack of effort on the part of the church leaders in Kirtland. 
This revelation was the result. Verily thus saith the Lord unto you whom I love, and whom I love I also chasten that their sins may be forgiven. For with the chastisement I prepare a way for their deliverance in all things out of temptation, and I have loved you. Wherefore ye must needs be chastened and stand rebuked before my face. These opening verses were sufficient to let Joseph and his companions know that they were in deep trouble with the Lord. The Lord said he loved them, but there was a further warning that they were about to get a verbal whipping. For ye have sinned against me a very grievous sin, in that ye have not considered the great commandment in all things that I have given unto you concerning the building of mine house. Oh, so that was their great sin. They had neglected the work of preparing for the building of the house of the Lord. This criticism pierced their hearts. As soon as this revelation was over, the three members of the temple committee sent out an urgent epistle to all the members of the region, begging them to help with this new temple. For the preparation wherewith I design to prepare mine apostles, to prune my vineyard for the last time, that I may bring to pass my strange act, that I may pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The Lord said a primary purpose of the temple was to prepare the apostles so they could be trained to preach the gospel more effectively and prepare the people to receive a great outpouring of the Spirit. But behold, verily I say unto you that there are many who have been ordained among you, whom I have called, but few of them are chosen. In this verse the Savior strikes out at those who have been called and ordained to the priesthood, but have never qualified to become, quote, chosen, unquote, servants of God. As we shall see later, beginning with section 121, verses 34 and 35, the Lord will deal with the nagging question that while these brethren have been ordained and called, they have not been chosen. They who are not chosen have sinned a very grievous sin in that they are walking in darkness at noonday. The Lord answers an important part of that question in this verse when he says they are walking in darkness at noonday. Here the gospel is being restored in surging abundance, but even members of the church are missing a lot of it. Many of them had the priesthood conferred upon them, but the Lord says they are still as ignorant as they were when they were Gentiles. And for this cause I gave unto you a commandment that you should call your solemn assembly, that your fastings and your mourning might come up into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, which is by interpretation the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end. This was one of the reasons the Lord told the leaders of the church to hold conferences and solemn assemblies where the saints could be fired up and stimulated in their testimonies. Yea, verily I say unto you, I gave unto you a commandment that you should build a house, in the which house I designed to endow those whom I have chosen with power from on high. One of the main reasons the saints needed a temple was so that they could be endowed with power from on high. 
The holy endowment can make righteous saints radiant and enthusiastic with renewed gospel understanding. For this is the promise of the Father unto you. Therefore I command you to tarry, even as mine apostles at Jerusalem. The endowment of the righteous from on high is something the Father has promised all those who prepare themselves. The Lord therefore tells them to tarry, as he had told the twelve apostles in Jerusalem. They were to tarry until they had prepared themselves to receive the fire of the Holy Ghost. Nevertheless, my servants sinned a very grievous sin, and contentions arose in the school of the prophets, which was very grievous unto me, saith your Lord. Therefore I sent them forth to be chastened. It would appear that some of the priesthood had been holding sessions of the school of the prophet even before they had built the temple. In section 88, the Lord had described how differing points of view could be expressed without getting into heated debates and bitter quarrels. Such disagreeable disputations were very grievous to the Lord, and that is why he had sent these brethren back into their fields of labor to do missionary work without purse or script so as to humble them. Verily I say unto you, It is my will that you should build a house. If you keep my commandments, you shall have power to build it. The Lord then makes his disciples a sacred promise. He says that if they will diligently strive to build the temple and keep his commandments, they will be entirely successful in completing this great project. If you keep not my commandments, the love of the Father shall not continue with you. Therefore you shall walk in darkness. But to do this they must repent, or the love of the Father would not be in their midst, and the adversary would smother them in his darkness. Now here is wisdom and the mind of the Lord. Let the house be built, not after the manner of the world. For I give not unto you that ye shall live after the manner of the world. The Lord said this temple is to be built in a very special way, with the saints working together in a spirit of love and mutual assistance. The work is not to be contracted out the way the world does it. This is to be a labor of dedication and love. Therefore let it be built after the manner which I shall show unto three of you, whom ye shall appoint and ordain unto this power. The Lord said he is going to show three of their leaders how to construct this sacred building after the manner of the Lord. And the size thereof shall be fifty and five feet in width, and let it be sixty-five feet in length in the inner court thereof. And let the lower part of the inner court be dedicated unto me for your sacrament offering, and for your preaching, and your fasting, and your praying and the offering up of your most holy desires unto me, saith your Lord. The Lord repeats the measurements for the temple, and then says the lower story should be used for their sacrament meetings, where fasting, prayer, and preaching can constitute the worship and instruction of the saints. And let the higher part of the inner court be dedicated unto me for the school of mine apostles, saith Son Amen or in other words, Alphas, or in other words, Omegas, even Jesus Christ your Lord. Amen. 
The upper floor of the temple shall be used for the offices of the apostles, and there should be a school where they can be trained in the ministry. Jesus closes by saying that this is the way these things should be done according to the desires of Son Amen, or Jesus Christ. Section 96, Introduction On June the 4th, which was the day following the receipt of Section 95, Joseph Smith appealed to the Lord concerning a new problem. The members of the conference could not agree on the way the large farm bought from Mr. French should be handled, nor could they agree on who should be in charge of its management. The conference asked Joseph to appeal to the Lord, and this revelation was the result. Behold, I say unto you, here is wisdom, whereby ye may know how to act concerning this matter. For it is expedient in me that this stake that I have set for the strength of Zion should be made strong. It is apparent that the Lord wanted the conference to accept his advice as to how this large farm should be managed, and he wanted them to handle other large properties in a similar manner. By coming to a meeting of the minds and following the Lord's advice, the Savior said the Kirtland stake could become united and successful. Therefore let my servant Newell K. Whitney take charge of the place which is named among you, upon which I design to build mine holy house. The Lord chose the bishop, Newell K. Whitney, to take charge of the administration of the French farm. This was an ideal choice since the Lord was going to have the land administered under the law of consecration, or united order, and that required that the bishop be in charge. The Lord reminded them that the handling of this land was very important since his temple would be located there. And again, let it be divided into lots, according to wisdom, for the benefit of those who seek inheritances, as it shall be determined in council among you. The Lord thereupon described how the entire French farm should be divided into lots, and assigned to the saints as inheritances according to the best judgment of the leaders of the stake meeting in council. However, this council did not get an official high council until February 17, 1834. Therefore take heed that ye see to this matter, and that portion that is necessary to benefit mine order, for the purpose of bringing forth my word to the children of men. One of the most important functions of this land next to accommodating the house of the Lord was to have a substantial building the same size as the temple where the publications of the church could be prepared and distributed around the world. For behold, verily I say unto you, this is the most expedient in me, that my word should go forth unto the children of men for the purpose of subduing the hearts of the children of men for your good. Even so. Amen. The Church has emphasized the widespread distribution of the Book of Mormon and other Church literature by the millions of copies from then until now. And again, verily I say unto you, it is wisdom and expedient in me, that my servant John Johnson, whose offering I have accepted, and whose prayers I have heard, unto whom I give a promise of eternal life, inasmuch as he keepeth my commandments from henceforth. 
John Johnson was the man who had provided Joseph Smith with food and shelter for many months while Joseph was revising the scriptures at the Johnson home in Hiram, Ohio. However, John Johnson was now in Kirtland, but apparently without a home. He had evidently been suffering some distress and had pleaded with the Lord for help. The Savior says John's prayers have been heard, and if he remains faithful, he will receive the blessings of eternal life. Later, when the Quorum of the Twelve was organized, John Johnson will see two of his sons, Luke and Lyman, included in this distinguished body. In fact, John himself will be a member of the first High Council in Kirtland. Tragically, during the wave of apostasy in 1837 and 38, John and both of his apostolic sons lost their membership in the church. For he is a descendant of Joseph, and a partaker of the blessings of the promise made unto his fathers. But John Johnson was of royal lineage, and was apparently a descendant of Joseph who was sold into Egypt. But of course that was true of nearly all of those who were joining the church during these early days. Verily I say unto you, it is expedient in me that he should become a member of the order, that he may assist in bringing forth my word unto the children of men. It is the desire of the Lord that John be included in the united order. Therefore ye shall ordain him unto this blessing, and he shall seek diligently to take away encumbrances that are upon the house named among you, that he may dwell therein. Even so. Amen. The Lord wants John to work diligently to take away the lien or mortgage on a house that is well known among the brethren, so that John can have it as his inheritance and dwell therein. Whether the bishop would help John Johnson by removing these encumbrances on the house is not stated. Section 97, Introduction by the summer of 1833, the circumstances in Jackson County, Missouri, were approaching the crisis stage. Meanwhile, in Kirtland, they had just laid the four cornerstones for the new temple. But Joseph's supreme concern was for the saints in Zion, who were being threatened by mobs on every side. When he approached the Lord on August the 2nd, 1833, this is the revelation he received. Verily I say unto you, my friends, I speak unto you with my voice, even the voice of my spirit, that I may show unto you my will concerning your brethren in the land of Zion, many of whom are truly humble and are seeking diligently to learn wisdom and to find truth. This opening verse had some good news in it for Joseph. Previously, the leaders and many of the people in Zion had exhibited a very arrogant and defiant spirit in their communications to church headquarters. But the Lord said the threatening circumstances had caused many of them to become frightened and humble. They were returning to the Lord in prayerful supplication and study to determine what they should do. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Blessed are such for they shall obtain. For I, the Lord, show mercy unto all the meek, and upon all whomsoever I will, that I may be justified when I shall bring them unto judgment. The Lord rejoices over this change in attitude of many of the Jackson County saints. 
This gave the Lord the opportunity to show forth his mercy and a capacity to forgive their past offenses. Notice that the Lord says he needs to have the people become meek so he will be, quote, justified, unquote, in being merciful and forgiving. Behold, I say unto you concerning the school in Zion, I, the Lord, am well pleased that there should be a school in Zion, and also with my servant Parley P. Pratt, for he abideth in me. The Lord is very impressed with the school of the prophets in Zion. He is especially complimentary toward Parley P. Pratt, who was serving as the instructor and moderator in the school. In his biography, Elder Pratt describes his poverty at this time and says he often had to go barefoot when he attended the school. And inasmuch as he continueth to abide in me, he shall continue to preside over the school in the land of Zion, until I shall give unto him other commandments. The Lord says, Parley P. Pratt, quote, abideth in me, unquote. And the Savior says that if he continues in this spirit of total commitment, he will continue to serve in the school of the prophets until the Lord calls him to some other assignment. And I will bless him with a multiplicity of blessings in expounding all scriptures and mysteries to the edification of the school and of the church in Zion. Parley P. Pratt had been a diligent student of the scriptures and had acquired a talented capacity to explain them in a very enlightened and inspiring way. And to the residue of the school, I, the Lord, am willing to show mercy. Nevertheless, there are those that must needs be chastened, and their works shall be made known. As for those who were attending the school, the Lord had a mixed reaction. He said it was pleasing that they were seeking to edify themselves by attending the school, but some of them were wicked hypocrites. He said these wolves in sheep's clothing would be chastened, and their secret sins would be exposed so they could no longer deceive their brethren. The axe is laid at the root of the trees, and every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit shall be hewn down and cast into the fire. I, the Lord, have spoken it. The Lord indicated that a time of godly judgment was about to be rendered against Zion. Those who were indulging in secret sins were about to be exposed and, quote, hewn down, unquote. The Lord wanted the saints to recognize that he had already declared what he intended to do. Verily I say unto you, all among them who know their hearts are honest, and are broken, and their spirits contrite, and are willing to observe their covenants by sacrifice, yea, every sacrifice which I, the Lord, shall command, they are accepted of me. At the same time, he did not want to be misunderstood. The desire of the Lord is to love the people and bless them when they are honest and humbly seeking to serve the Lord with contrite hearts. For I, the Lord, will cause them to bring forth as a very fruitful tree, which is planted in a goodly land by a pure stream that yieldeth much precious fruit. Now the Lord makes a very important announcement. He wants the saints in Zion to build a temple, similar to the design he has revealed to Joseph for the temple in Kirtland. This design was referred to by the Lord in section 95. 
It is important to recognize that the Lord is not talking about the New Jerusalem temple, which would require several years to build. They are to construct a more simple design, which the saints have already begun to build in Kirtland. Verily I say unto you, that it is my will that a house should be built unto me in the land of Zion, like unto the pattern which I have given you. Yea, let it be built speedily by the tithing of my people. Behold, this is the tithing and the sacrifice which I, the Lord, require at their hands, that there may be a house built unto me for the salvation of Zion. Furthermore, the Lord puts a powerful requirement on the building of this temple in Zion. It must be built immediately and hurriedly, or the saints in Zion will come under the same chastisement as that which the leaders in Kirtland received in section 95. Notice that the Lord says that if the members in Zion pay an honest tithe, there will be adequate funds to build the temple, especially the modest version similar to the temple in Kirtland. For a place of thanksgiving for all saints, and for a place of instruction for all those who are called to the work of the ministry in all their several callings and offices. The Lord emphasizes the immediate need for this temple. It is required for the sacrament meeting services, which will be held on the first floor of the temple. It will also provide an ideal place where the school of the prophets can be utilized to instruct those who are going out on missions, as well as those who need to be taught how to fulfill their various offices in the restored kingdom. That they may be perfected in the understanding of their ministry, in theory, in principle, and in doctrine, in all things pertaining to the kingdom of God on the earth, the keys of which kingdom have been conferred upon you. And inasmuch as my people build a house unto me in the name of the Lord, and do not suffer any unclean thing to come into it, that it be not defiled, my glory shall rest upon it. The Lord now promises that if they will build this modest temple quickly and not allow any unclean thing to contaminate it, the Lord will honor this holy house of worship with his very presence. It is the desire of the Lord to have those who are pure in heart actually see him. Yea, and my presence shall be there, for I will come into it. And all the pure in heart that shall come into it shall see God. But if it be defiled, I will not come into it, and my glory shall not be there, for I will not come into unholy temples. But they need to know that the Lord does not enter into any unholy or defiled temple. And now behold, if Zion do these things, she shall prosper and spread herself and become very glorious, very great, and very terrible. Here is a positive declaration on the part of the Lord that as of August the 2nd, 1833, if the Missouri saints will do that which the Lord has commanded, they will prosper and become, quote, very glorious, very great, and very terrible, unquote. Who knows what miraculous forces were being assembled in the heavens to make all of this come true. And the nations of the earth shall honor her and shall say, Surely Zion is the city of our God, and surely Zion cannot fall, neither be moved out of her place. For God is there, 
and the hand of the Lord is there. However, the whole future of the saints in Missouri was dependent on their faithful obedience to this critical command in building a new temple. And he hath sworn by the power of his might to be her salvation and her high tower. Now in these three verses we have the promise of a glorious future for Zion if the saints hurry and build this house of the Lord. As we reflect on church history, we cannot help but wonder how utterly different things would have been in Missouri if the saints had earnestly responded to God's command. Think what could have happened if the leaders in Jackson County had exhibited the same temple-building zeal of Gordon B. Hinckley, who vowed the church would have a hundred temples in operation by the year 2000 A.D. Therefore verily thus saith the Lord, Let Zion rejoice, for this is Zion, the pure in heart. Therefore let Zion rejoice, while all the wicked shall mourn. It is plain from this verse that the Lord had something spectacular in mind if the Missouri saints would only meet this challenge and get this temple built. Now the temple that was going to be built in Kirtland was of stone. This temple could have been built of lumber and constructed very rapidly. These people often cooperated together to put up huge barns in just a day or two. Now the Lord wanted them to have that kind of zeal now in building this temple. For behold, and lo, vengeance cometh speedily upon the ungodly as the whirlwind, and who shall escape it? The Lord's scourge shall pass over by night and by day, and the report thereof shall vex all people. Yea, it shall not be stayed until the Lord come. For the indignation of the Lord is kindled against their abominations and all their wicked works. The mammoth dimensions of God's plans to intervene for his people is reflected in these three powerful verses. But what would happen to Zion during this period of terrestrial disaster? The Lord had a promise for Zion. He said, Nevertheless, Zion shall escape if she observed to do all things whatsoever I have commanded her. But what if the saints in Missouri failed to meet the requirements of the Lord? The Lord says, But if she observed not to do whatsoever I have commanded her, I will visit her according to all her works, with sore affliction, with pestilence, with plague, with sword, with vengeance, with devouring fire. Tragically, the dilatory spirit of the saints in Jackson County, Missouri, allowed the tide of mobocracy to overrun the narrow period of opportunity which the Lord had held out to them. The mob had agreed to give the church leaders of Missouri from August to January to sell their property and get out. However, the mob began violating their promises in October, and by late November they were on a rampage. Had the saints passionately acted on the Lord's command, everything might have turned out differently. Because of hesitation and apathy, the Lord allowed the mob to prematurely violate their agreement and destroy one of the settlements on the Blue River not far from Independence. This was followed by other attacks until by November the saints who had not even started building their temple were in full flight trying to escape across the Missouri River. 
But all of this could have been avoided. As of August the 6th, 1833, the glorious possibilities for the immediate future were spelled out in a heavenly compact, signed and sealed. So the Lord said, Nevertheless, let it be read this once to her ears that I, the Lord, have accepted of her offering, and if she sin no more, none of these things shall come upon her. And I will bless her with blessings, and multiply a multiplicity of blessings upon her, and upon her generations, forever and ever, saith the Lord your God. Amen. We hope you're enjoying this podcast by W. Cleon Skousen. To find additional books and recordings on this and other topics, please visit skousenlibrary.com.